get cookies? I can fix that tonight.
standing this evening and let's grab uh, if you have your hymnal you can look up in the hymnal or you can watch on you can see it on the screen this evening an old hymn of the church that just simply says I shall not be moved so let's sing that together tonight Father, Lord, we welcome you in this place today. Lord, we just welcome your spirit, the same spirit we felt this morning. God, we ask that you be with us tonight in worship tonight as well. Lord, and as we sing the songs of Zion and we worship you tonight, 
Father, I pray you would inhabit the praises of your people. And let us just spend a few moments with you tonight. Lord, I know that there may not be as many tonight as there were this morning. But God, Lord, we are here to worship you tonight and just spend some time with you. So Lord, we thank you, God, for the presence we have felt today. But Lord, we're asking you tonight to once again just come and saturate this place. And Lord, just meet with us this evening and let us experience you once again. We love you and praise you and give you the glory and the honor that's due your name. Christ Jesus, we pray and ask these things. Amen, amen and amen. Remain standing tonight. We're going to sing another old hymn of the church. You uh, may have heard this song before. If you haven't heard it, uh, uh, it'll be quickly easy to be able to catch on to. Um, so we're going to worship the Lord, and we're going to sing the old hymn of the church. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, I cannot bear these burdens alone. In my distresses, he will help me. Jesus will help me. Jesus alone. So let's just worship the Lord tonight. Oh, my God. 
worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. Oh, Jesus, the name. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Jesus, the only one. 
become thy fountain. Every blessing tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. We'll teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mountain, fixed upon it, out of thy redeeming love. So here I raise present in our time of need. 
Lord, we do sing the songs of Zion because we do know, Lord, that we were wandering as a stranger and a pilgrim. And Lord, we were just aimlessly just living this life till we met you, the author and perfecter of our faith. So, Lord, we worship you today. We give you the praise and glory and honor that is due your name. In Christ Jesus, we pray, and all God's people together said amen. 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 Hell, your kindness yet pursues me. Hell, your mercy never fails me. Till the day that death shall lose me, I will sing. Oh, I will sing. I will sing. Oh, I will one more time. I will sing. Oh, I will sing. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord tonight. What a wonderful time in the Lord we had this morning, worshiping the Lord. I am so thankful that many, many, many times God's presence meets us where we are, and uh, He speaks to our hearts and our lives. Let's look in Matthew chapter 15, Matthew chapter 15, beginning in verse 11. I'm going to finish a message that we started a couple weeks ago, but due to time constraints and due to COVID situations and due to feeling the need to call the church to corporate prayer, we kind of had to keep pushing it back a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit along and along. And so uh, we're going to pick up there today uh, on uh, this portion of this message. Matthew chapter number 15, verse 11. Once you have it, I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's Word. If you don't have your Bible, it will be on your screen to follow along. Amen. Verse number 11. Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, not what you eat. He's saying, what you eat ain't, people worried, you got to remember the Jews were big on dietary things, they had to eat kosher meats, and there were certain things that were kosher, non-kosher, couldn't eat certain animals, and Jesus said, it ain't what you eat that's the problem. Now, some of your doctors might argue differently with your cholesterol. <laughs> uh, some of your doctors might tell you, it is what you're eating that's causing the problem. But the Bible says, God said, it's not what you eat that's the problem. But that which cometh out of the mouth, what you say, that's what the problem is. For he that loveth life, he that loveth life, this is First Peter 3 and 10, and see good days. If you like to live, you want to live a good life. And you want to have good days in your life and not be stressed to the max all the time. Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile or negativity or vile things. Now, I just read you in Matthew. He said, it's not what you eat that's the problem. It's what you say that becomes the problem. 
And First Peter kind of echoes that by saying, if you love having a good life, if you love not being stressed out, if you love not being in a bunch of drama and chaos and pandemonium, then here's what you need to remember. You want to see good days? Control your mouth. You know what gets people in most trouble? <laughs> Their mouth. <laughs> Their tongue. They don't know when to stop. If you don't believe it, raise teenagers. Borrow a teenager. Rent a teenager and send them home after you've got done renting them. Yes. Look, God's already confirming the word tonight. We're willing to give. We've got some in here that's got two or three. They're willing to give you one for a weekend if you want to buy one. Buy one, get one free. We'll give them to you. Buy one, get one around here. The reality of it is teenagers are famous for it. Mama, Daddy will say, I don't want to hear another word. Listen, see, here's the problem. I, I didn't ask for your explanation. <laughs> I've had to explain that to a four-year-old quite a few times in his life. I didn't ask for the explanation. It's still no or it's still what I said. But Daddy, why? I, I didn't ask, but why? I said no, that's why. Our mouths get us in trouble. He said, let him speak no guile. A couple weeks ago, I started a message entitled, The Four Horns That Stop the Spiritual Blessings of God. These four things that, if we're not careful, these spirits or these horns will rob us of the blessings of God. I'm going to pick up the rest of that tonight. Father, I pray you would bless the reading of your word. Let us not be hearers only, but doers thereof. Likewise, we praise you and glorify your name. We ask that you be with us as the reigning portion of our service. In Christ's precious name we pray. And all God's people together said, Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord tonight. I shared with you a couple weeks ago when I began this passage, we read out of Proverbs 18.21 and we read out of James 3 and 10 where we talked about out of the mouth comes blessing and cursing simultaneously. These things ought not be so. And I read to you about how James and Proverbs told us that we that our mouths get us in trouble, it defileth. We, we, out, of the, out of the mouth comes death and life is in the power of the tongue, and those that love of its fruit will eat thereof. And I talked to you about the in, innate ability to control our tongue. Does anybody know why a horse has a bridle put in his mouth? Anybody? Why? What if you don't have it in his mouth? What happens? He'll do what he wants. It's etched into his mouth to lead him. To If I pull the reins this way, he's going to go this way. If I pull it this way, if I pull tight on them together, he's going to stop because he is being led. He's got a basic, basically a mouth guard to control his every movement. Now, I know that you're not going to probably enjoy the last portion of this message tonight. That's why I saved the best for last. So it was just the last one in the part of the, of the message. Uh, but... Sometimes I wonder if it would do God good, or do us good sometimes, let me say it that way, do us good sometimes if God put a spiritual bridle on us sometimes. Think about that. I read a meme the other day, or it had a picture of a guy sitting there, and it was some, he was had this face where he was really pondering, but he like he knew he wanted to say something, but he didn't get to say it. And here's what it said. It says, this is the face of the one who types out a message and the Holy Ghost tells him to delete it. <laughs> and the guy's sitting there going, like he wanted to say something. But it was like the Spirit of God quickened him to delete the text or delete the message he was about to send out. I don't know if any of y'all, some of y'all use Facebook because I know your friends are on Facebook. Some of you don't. And that's okay if you don't. 
But if you've never had it, I can promise you in my life, there's been some times the Holy Spirit had to tell me, don't you type. Don't you type on there. Because in that moment, Brother Primo, my flesh was getting ready to say something. I wasn't feeling sanctified. I was feeling dignified in my rights is what I felt. And I was going to tell them how I felt about that post when the Holy Ghost was like, that's not going to be a good idea. And I had to be like, delete that text message. Oftentimes we'll say things we don't mean in a fit of rage or a or even if it's not rage, when we're frustrated or upset about something, we'll say something. And, to, and sometimes it doesn't. we don't mean to say certain things, but sometimes we'll say things that came out wrong. We didn't mean it to come out that way, but it came out the wrong way we intended. We really wasn't trying to mean it, but the person that understood it interpreted it a certain way. And it was like, whoa, 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 that's not what I was trying to, well, that's what you said. Well, no, that's not what I meant. And we're trying to go back because our words have effectiveness to them. The Bible actually says, he that can bridleth his tongue. That's the word of God. He that can control it, the bridle, like a horse. You see, I remembered every time I have been a couple, I've been a couple times in Savannah, Georgia. Of course, I have lived in Charleston the majority of my life, other than the few stints I've served in other places. And I've loved doing the carriage rides. I love riding around on the old streets. And they tell you the history of it while you're riding the carriage rides. But it amazes me, these big horses, massive creatures, that at one swift kick could pretty much take out anybody they wanted to with just one buck on their hind legs. Got these carts behind them with sometimes 30, 40, 50. I've seen sometimes it probably 60 people crammed on these things. I mean, packed out in the summertime in Charles. I mean, just packed on these carriage rides. One horse, and it's it's amazing to see the strength of this horse that he can pull the all the weight of who knows how many countless pounds between the cart and all the people sitting on it, and he just goes along. But it also amazes me that he is probably the most powerful structure on this cart that we're riding on because, he, well, first of all, he's got the strength to pull us. But secondly, at any moment, if he decides he doesn't like this cart, <laughs> you know who's at the mercy? We are at the mercy of that guy. That horse at any moment could, whoosh, and we're going at 40 miles an hour down Meeting Street in a horseman buggy, and we're bouncing down the streets. But when that horse gets out of line, all it takes is a little gentle tug of a rope, and he stops on impact. See, sometimes in life, we start galloping and gallivanting. We're trying to run this race that's set before us. We're trying to outrun God. We're trying to outrun this. We're trying to outrun the other. And we're just going. We're going. We're going. We're going. There's one problem. Sometimes God has to pull the reins and be like, you're, you're getting a little far ahead of the game. Sometimes I think it is good for God to spiritually pull back, if you will, on us sometimes and bridle our tongue and keep us from saying things that we'll regret or keep us from doing things. And, and I began to share with you over the last couple of weeks I told you the, the greatest lie I think that anybody's ever coined was the coin, the, the phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me. That's a lie. I actually think that bones will recover faster than words will. I think I could go outside and stone you and break every bone in your body, and it would recover quickly than if I said certain words to hurt your spirit, because you never forget those words. Your bones heal, but those words still puncture the very essence of your soul. I told you a couple weeks ago, we talked about the spirit of lack. The devil wants you to think you don't have anything on your side. God's not on your side. You don't have enough resources. 
God's forgot about you. Look, everybody else is being blessed. You're not being blessed. You're not getting the promotion. You're not doing this. And I, I told you the devil's all about making you feel like that you're unqualified. You're not good enough. You, don't, you won't ever make it. You'll never be successful. He wants to speak all this negativity in your life and make you think you'll never amount to anything. But I told you that week when I talked to you that God owned the cattle on a thousand hills and he talked about the silver was his and the gold was his. And we don't lack anything. For the child of God, we have lack of nothing. Even if we feel like we're lacking something, the Bible says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed beg for bread. The Bible tells us that he that is faithful and just is faithful to complete what he has begun in us. That means that if if God called me out of darkness into his marvelous light and he owns the cattle on a thousand hills and he promises there's mansions galore and streets of gold and jasper walls and one day I can go to be with him, then I have lack of nothing. I don't lack anything. i tell you the story of Moses. Moses tried to bargain with God. I can't talk. God said, I got a fix for that. Aaron's coming. God, I need a sign to know you're with me. And God did the various miracles. Who do you tell? God, if I go, they don't believe me. What do you want me to do then? And God's like, all right, for the last and final time, you just tell them I'm God. That's all they need to know. I would love to say to you, those watching online and those joining online, God bless you. Thank you for being here. I don't know how many. There may be nobody out there, but God bless you if you are. If you're not, then uh, if you join later, welcome late. Uh, but we're just glad to have you anyway. But the reality of it is I have learned that even in Moses in that statement, God, who do, you sh- who do I say sent me? You tell my Yahweh, I am that I am, sent you. I believe that it is good for us to remember that sometimes we don't need an explanation. We just know who's in control. See, sometimes we want an explanation. Well, God, tell me how you're going to do it. God, give me a play-by-play. God, give me a, give me kind of like a, a synopsis, an outline. Tell me from start to finish. Kind of give me a little intel how this is going to go down. Why do we care? At the end of the day, sometimes we don't need God to tell us how he's going to do it. We just need to know God will and can do it regardless of how he does it. I doubt the children of Israel really cared how they got out of Egyptian bondage. They just wanted to get out of Egyptian bondage. When they got before the Red Sea, they didn't care if God sent a, 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 a carnival cruise ship coming by on their way to the Florida Keys and pick everybody up, a million people, and take them on a caravan and let them go on a summer vacation across the Red Sea to get out of Egypt, if that's what God wanted. They didn't care how they crossed the Red Sea. They just knew that Pharaoh's behind them and a sea's before them, and they're trapped in between both of them. So they didn't care how God moved it. They just needed to know, God, when are you going to move on our behalf? When God split the waters, I didn't hear any of them saying, well, now, you know, I'm not so sure I'd have done it that way. You don't find anywhere in Scripture when the waters rolled back, then any of them walked through and said, well, now, that was that's really not the way I'd have done it. I, I probably would have done this way. They didn't care because God rolled back the waters and got them across. That's all that mattered. Throughout Scripture, we find different times. God doesn't give the whole picture at times, but he always completes the picture in his timing. Then I talked to you about the spirit of limitation. I talked to you about how this is where the devil tells us that you're not good enough. You don't have enough talent. You don't play like Brother Randy. You don't sing like Sister Jennifer. You don't play like Brother Dennis. You don't sing like Sister Sherry. You, you, don't, you don't teach like Brother Marion. You don't do the media like our media department. You don't. It's where the devil just kind of tells you you're nothing. You're limited. God ain't got nothing for you. That's a lie. I don't care if you know how to run a computer or not. If you do, God bless you. If you don't, God bless you. Yeah, I don't care if you know how to teach Sunday school. If you do, please sign up. We could always use more. But if you don't, 
God bless you. If you can play the drums, great. If you can't, don't come play because you'll mess us up. But if, you know, if you know how to play, let us know. See, I'm not asking, and I say this all 11 or straight, I don't, I'm not asking people to do things they're not called of God to do. But I am also reminding us as a church and people watching online and whoever else may stream this, that God's got a plan for everybody and they, he's got something for everybody to do, whether it may not be music, it may not be singing, it may not be media, but God's got something for everybody to do. Because the Bible said, God says, I have plans for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope in the future. That means God's got a plan for everybody. Whether or not we walk out our calling that God has for each one of our lives is between us and God, but God has a calling for our life. So every time the devil tells you, well, you're not good enough, you'll never, you just need to find what God called you to do, and you walk in that calling, and you just watch and be amazed at how God overshadows the lies and the deceit and the perpetration of the enemy's agenda and proves to you that he is God, he called you, and he's got a plan for your life. God's not limited on anything. God will supernaturally take my ability, put some super on it, and he'll take my natural ability and make it a supernatural ability, and I will walk before God and be a threat to the kingdom of darkness because God called me to be that man or woman of God. God doesn't have limitations. I read to you, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I may be tried with the fires of adversity, but I'll come out one day pure and blameless before God. Then I talk to you about the spirit of hindrance. <laughs> we all don't like this one. This is the one where the devil puts it in front of you. It's like the tripping blocks. It's like the stumbling blocks, if you will, of life. The spirit of hindrances, in essence, is where the devil constantly is just trying to keep you down on the ground, kicking you down. Just every time you think you're getting somewhere, he just trips you right back up. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not even going to ask you to say amen. But I am going to ask you in your own way to validate this statement if it applies to you in your heart or to the Lord, however you feel necessary. But I wonder if some of us in here or online have ever been to a place in our lives where it sometimes felt like we couldn't get up before we got knocked back down. Like we just, every time we try to stand up spiritually, it seemed like we fall right back down. Or every time we thought that there, things were getting ready to get better, it seemed to get worse. And it just seemed like it, when it rained, it poured. Some of y'all know those phrases. Come on. I wonder if anybody's ever been to a place where you just thought, my Lord, how much more before I get a relief from this? How many times, I remember, I hate to use this for an example every time, but it, it just, I just remember the statement. I remember Miss Brenda Frierson when COVID hit the first time. We were sitting in that office one Sunday. I think it was during Sunday school, right after Sunday school or in between somewhere in that window. She had just came back. And she said, I'm beginning to feel like I'm spending more time at home than anywhere else. Now, it wasn't that she had it, but they got exposed. Then they got it. Then they finally came out of it. Somebody in the family got it, but they had been around them, so they had to quarantine them. And it was like 20-some-odd, 20 days, 21 and something. She's like, I don't even feel like I left my house. I couldn't go nowhere. I feel like I'm a prisoner in my own house because it seemed like she couldn't even get out. She was like, I'm just, I just want to get out the house. You know, just ride in the car and don't get out. Just get see something beside my house. And I remember that conversation, and, and we were just talking about and laughing about how it seemed like she just never, she's like, I feel like I'm always in COVID quarantining all the time. But some people feel like that even before the COVID situation. There's been a lot of people that just feel like they've just been stuck for a while. And they can't get out anywhere. They can't get ahead. They can't get moving because the spirit 
is, uh, of the enemy is, is hindering them from getting what they need from God. or this, The enemy is trying to thwart the plan of God. I promise you, if the devil is causing that much haymakers, throwing that many haymakers and causing that much hindrance in your life, obviously he knows something that he does not want you to get to. Because the Bible says the devil ain't going to fight against himself because the kingdom divided against itself won't last. So if you constantly feel like, man, I can't get up for getting down, and I can't seem to beat this thing because it seems like every time I get trying to get closer to God, and every time I'm trying to pray, every time I try to get to church, every time I'm trying to get to the altar, it seems like the devil is just beating me down. He's causing this to happen or that to happen. Or it seems like then you need to be thanking God that you are making the devil afraid because he obviously doesn't want you to get somewhere because he knows when you get there, it's going to be bad news for him. But that's what the devil wants. He's not going to hinder you if he's not afraid of you. That's counterintuitive. He's not going to stop you if he has nothing to be afraid of to stop you. You know, we have some of our kids that are uh, now driving. And I've heard them talking about going 65 in a 45, 50. I know they put that pedal to the metal. They're getting ready to know what Kmart is all about. Some of y'all know what Kmart used to have. About once or twice in the day, sirens would go off in Kmart. That's probably why they're out of business. They didn't have enough sirens in the building. I'm not really sure. But they had a thing called a blue light special. Some of us young whippersnappers in here, We've got that Mario Andretti pedal to the meadow. We're racing for Jesus, trying to get to heaven faster every day. One day you're going to meet the old Kmart specialists. They're going to give you a blue light special. It only takes one time for that illustrious ticket and the insurance to go up before mamas and daddies start saying, well, you got two choices. A, give me the car keys. B, get a job and pay the difference. Some of y'all don't even know what that means because y'all never had to work about that. But you'll learn quick when that day comes. Oh, God, i got to get a job now because I caused my parents money. But in that moment in time, see, a lot of people don't really get afraid or nervous till they see the lights flashing in the rearview mirror. Then all of a sudden it's like, oh, snap. Some people try to start thinking of a good lie, they want to stay saved, they're trying to think of a good reason why they were speeding. Then some people have a ballpark of how fast they're going, but they think the best answer would be just to say, I'm really not sure how fast I was going, <laughs> and make it sound like you were just so innocent in this moment. It's kind of like going down Church of God Road or going down some of these side roads up here in Bono and Macedonia and some of these places. There are some roads that you just better know. You better go exactly. Actually, you should go about five miles per hour under what that speed limit sign says or they're going to find a way to, to help bring more money into the community for their departments. Hello, preacher. Some of y'all obviously have found them people. God bless you. Even even my man that plays Jesus in, in Sunday school in the back is agreeing. Apparently he's been stopped before over there. Poor guy. My point to being said is this. Isn't it such a damper and a hindrance to your day when things are going great and then all of a sudden they pull you over? It just kind of deflates the whole day. It doesn't matter what you have the rest of the day. It just kind of ruins your day. Because it hinders. You're just kind of like, you can't for the rest of the day you can't stop thinking about you got that ticket. That's what the devil does. 
The devil tries to find anything and everything he can to basically get you to pull over on the sides of the roads of life so that he can ruin your day. So that he can make you feel like God's got no plan for you, God's got no hope. He just wants to hinder you. He doesn't want you to be able to keep going. He wants to stop you and make you feel like you're not going to ever make it and that you're not any good. But then, and we talked about Lazarus. We talked about delay does not mean denial. And then tonight I want to finish with the last spirit. This spirit's a little unique. It's a little different. It is a spirit of devour. I call it the devouring spirit. The first spirit I talked to you about, the spirit of lack, it's like I told you it's like having a, a thorn in your flesh on one side. And then I told you the limitations, like a thorn in the other side. I told you hindrance is something in front of you. You keep tripping up. You keep messing up. But the devouring spirit is the spirit that's always behind you. Because what the devouring spirit's all about is every time God gives you a little golden nugget of blessings, the devil tries to take it from you before you even had time to enjoy it. Somebody gets saved. As soon as they get saved, something bad happens on Monday after they got saved on Sunday. Maybe not to them, but it's like all that you were. You come and prayed on Sunday morning in the altar, and you just sought the face of the Lord, and you were feeling real good. You shook my hand out the back door, and you're like, Woo, Pastor, can't wait to get back to Sunday night or Wednesday night or see you next Sunday or whatever else. And then Monday, all hell breaks loose. It's like everything you got seemed like it got sucked up before you even got the opportunity to enjoy the fruits that God gave you. It's a devouring spirit. It's like a vacuum or a suction device. The devil just wants to come by and just suck out all the life out of you. He wants to suck out the blessings of God. He wants to be singing around here. I went to the enemy's camp, took back what he stole from me because he wants to just take it from you before you even get it. He wants to rob you of your joy. He wants to rob you of your peace. He wants to rob you of everything God's given you. He wants to take it from you. All your victories, he wants you to question them. All your breakthroughs, he wants you to doubt them. He wants to suck it up. It's like you go to the doctor. They tell you they see a spot. You pray about it and you just get comfortable and you thank God, Lord, I feel like you've already answered the request and the prayer and you're, you're feeling good and you think God's got it and it's going to be all right and you're praising the Lord. You go back for that follow-up before the guy even walks in the room with the results. The devil already starts telling you, you know you got cancer, don't you? He's already putting it in your mind right then. Before the doctor even walks in the room, you got cancer. Oh, you're, gonna, you're, gonna, you're not going to make it. You got stage four lymphoma or you got stage four whatever. You're going to die. And sometimes those doctors walk in and they have that negative news. And immediately as soon as they have it, even though you prayed and had a spirit of peace about it, the devil's like, see, God didn't heal you. You serve a God that doesn't heal. He still drops it right in your spirit right then. Or he'll start telling you things in your mind. That, well, God's not going to heal you. This is the end. Some God you serve, he's going to let you die. That's what the, It's a devouring spirit. He's just trying to rob you of everything, your joy, your peace. You prayed about it and had peace. The doctor even gave you the news that you dreaded, but you had peace. But the devil's like, yeah, but that's some kind of God you serve. He's trying to take it. He's trying to rob you of that peace, that joy. He's trying to take what you've been praying about from you. I've seen it in death. I can't tell you how many times through divorces and death. You know, obviously divorces is like a for what I call a forever funeral or forever death. It never ends. You constantly still have battle scars from it. Because it's like something that happened to you. And even in real death, I can't tell you how many times I have seen people in that moment get mad at God, angry at God. 
People that were on what I call the fence between serving God and not serving God now all of a sudden use this as a, a mechanism or a means to turn their back even further on God and blame Him for things. God took my mama. God took my daddy. God took them. They were so young. And, and used that. But that's a device of the enemy. He's just trying his best to destroy them. See, that's what the devouring spirit's all about. The devouring spirit doesn't want you to see the blessings of God. It doesn't want you to experience the manifestation of God's presence. He doesn't want you to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit because it doesn't want you to know what God has for you. So it tries to take it from you. It's like a thief. It's, it's stingy. I love watching, no, before everybody gets excited, I do not like watching Hallmark, so don't get excited and think that's what I was about to tell you, that I've had a breakthrough, and God saved me and let me start watching Lifetime and Hallmarks. You know how I feel about those subscriptions on the TV, and what could happen to those channels if they self-imploded? I would not cry. I wouldn't. You would, some people might cry. Actually, I might cry, but it'd be tears of joy, like, wow, finally, not the same story. But anyway, but I do have... One particular channel outside of sports, that is my go-to channel. That I, Well, two of them, but, but they all have the same plot that I love to go to. It is not Hallmark. It is not Lifetime. It is not even Discovery Channel. It's not the ID channel. Uh, I do like to watch how it was made and some of that stuff, you know, on Discovery, but that's not my main go-to. It's not even, you know, your your... Crime shows, though I like those, and I enjoy watching all the little crime shows, and I feel like I'm a detective. I feel like I could go right now, and I could be an NCIS probationary agent. I tell you, I could find every murderer on the road. I know how to find them now. I know how to spray that stuff, and your fingerprints are going to come out in 30 minutes on the mass spectrometer, and I'm going to know you did it in an hour show, and it was your fault. I know it. Come on and do it. I'm ready. Berkeley County should hire me. I know how to run the machines. I'm ready. Thank you, Jesus. That's my backup plan, y'all. I'm about to be the next Leroy Jethro Gibbs. I've got it. I'm ready. I can probably slap somebody in the back of the head. I'm all about it. Let's do it. I'm ready. But my go-to channel is actually the Animal Planet. <laughs> I love watching the Animal Planet and Nat Geo Wild. Sometimes they'll have shows about, you know, the different, you know, wild Africa or wild Australia or wild whatever. But they have a certain program on there, The Secret Life of the zoo or the untold stories of the zoo and sometimes it'll be you know the secret life of the zoo Tampa Bay or the secret life of the zoo the Bronx or secret life of the zoo San Diego and it'll be these different locations and they take you behind the scenes of what you don't see when you are at the zoo you see the animals but what you don't see when they're training them and the conservation efforts and how they bring them in and how they ship them in and they bring these lions on these mass flights overseas and bring them in these crates and how these crates have to be a certain way to keep all the platypus and all the stuff incubated to get there and make it safely and introduce them to the new herd and breed them and all this crazy stuff it's incredible but I mesmerized by the monkeys. Maybe because we have a kindred spirit. I don't know. But I'm mesmerized by those jokers. And I, one of them is not really a monkey, but uh, it kind of looks like a monkey, and so they're kind of like the same family, is the ring-tailed lemur. Those things are the coolest little things. I want a pet one. Not pet one, like a pet one on like my shoulder to go around with me, a pet. I've always thought when I was younger, I wanted one of the little monkeys that could play the cymbals, and I just lead around with a with a thing and just played cymbals all the time. 
That's not be a cool pet to have. I don't want a dog. I want a clapping monkey symbol. You know, symbol of clapping monkey. But the spring-tailed lemur. In fact, if you don't know locally where to go see one, go to B City. They're in Cottageville or, or between Reachville and Cottageville, and they actually have the ring-tailed lemurs there at B City. They have them, and you can buy a cup of Cheerios, Cheerio, and you can give it to these lemurs. They are so smart. They come to the thing. They'll put there. They got the softest little paws. Now, they got the little chute that you can stick it out, or you can just hold your hand across the fence, and they'll literally, between the little fence, they'll take their little claws. They don't hurt. They're really soft. They're really, you know, very uh, uh, soft pads. And they'll take it right out, and they'll just eat these little Cheerios, and just wonderful. Except when one gets one, the rest of them ain't happy. They'll take it all. They steal. They're thieves. They're very smart. What they'll do is, if I'm over here giving little Fido one, I've seen them do it. They'll come over there and they'll jump on top of his back, put his paws on his head, try to stomp him down, trying to crawl over the top of him to take the Cheerio out of my hand before he gets it. They will literally beat each other down in the cage trying to get to the one Cheerio. I'm like, guys, I have a $5 cup that's probably, I could have bought a whole box of cereal for this little shot glass full of Cheerios. I got, I could have brought my whole Honey Nut Cheerio cabinet for you people, but I got the Cheerios for you all. But they don't see it that way. All they see is one Cheerio and somebody else is getting it and they fight to the death trying to knock them out. I've seen them slap each other. I've seen them literally slap the other one off the, off the thing. I'm like, well, you're not getting one. That's not nice. I have actually looked at one and been like, you're not getting any. That was very not nice. Like he knew what I was saying. But I have seen them there. It, you know, where, you know, they act like they've never got them before. It's like nobody else has come by with a cup of Cheerios and fed these little guys. Now you got to remember, the the... Couriers, the, 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 the handlers of the, they feed them real food, y'all. It's not just the Cheerios. They're not malnourished little lemurs out there. These are like little treats to give you hands-on experience. So you know little Fido's probably had 50 Cheerios already today before I even got up there. But he doesn't care. He doesn't want Jimmy over here to get any. He don't care if he's got 100. Jimmy, you get none. They don't care. They're, they're vicious. They'll stamp on each other's head, knock each other off. And while that's a comical thing, that's how the devil does our blessings from God. As soon as God tries to give you one, he'll beat you down, step on your head, slap you down, try to trample on you to try to steal it out of God's hands before you can get your hands on it. Because he doesn't want you to get anything. It doesn't even matter if it's one cheerio. He doesn't want you to get anything. And he'll do everything he can to stomp you down, slap you down, pick you up, move you up. He'll try to rob you and take it before you get it because he doesn't want God to give it to you. And I see these little lemurs and they are cute and they're battling back and forth and it's really cool to see. I was there over the summer and this was been before I even had this message together but I you know I don't ever say that I I don't like to super-spiritualize everything. I'm not one of those people that said, oh, well, I ran out of gas. That must have been God's will to tell me that I needed to meet somebody in the parking lot at Walmart. No, that means I'm an idiot. I didn't look at my gas tank. That's what that meant. I mean, you know, if you don't put gas in your car, it doesn't run. That's not God's fault. That's because you don't know how to pump gas. Everything's a spiritual matter. I'm not saying God didn't have a plan, but I'm not thinking he just sucked your kink down. I don't think God siphons gas in your sleep so he can get you to go witness to somebody. I mean... I've met some people like that. You think I'm laughing, but I've met some people. Things are, you know, they stubbed their toe. It was the will of God. What? God, God didn't make you stub your toe for a reason. You know, there's things like that. But I have often thought 
there have been times in my life in things like whether you're going to the lemurs or other things, there have been many times in my life I have seen things and it did remind me of something about God. Standing there in nature, watching birds eat, watching, you know, swans swim in a very peacefully down a stream in a lake. And it just makes me think, wow, they're so peaceful. That's what it must be like. Just not trust that must be what it's like trusting God. Life can just be so sweet and beautiful. You know, and music, same thing with music. I can walk into a net, you know, a hotel and hear somebody playing some piano in the, you know, ballroom of a hotel, whatever, and I don't even know what the song is, but it's so majestic and just so beautiful and like a lullaby, and I just think, wow, I wonder what heaven's choir sounds like, because I'll hear that music, and it's so beautiful, but then it immediately makes me think, gosh, if it sounds that good, some dude randomly sitting here in the uh, hotel lobby or sitting in the uh, hospital lobby playing music, if it's that pretty, I wonder what heaven's choir sounds like. Things like that sometimes will just make my mind start to wonder, and when I watched those lemurs that day, I, I thought about that. I thought about, you know, the devil sometimes will come and look like he's all cute and warm and fuzzy. And he's going to present himself not some demon with horns and red faces and, you know, pitchforks and tails. Sometimes the Bible actually calls him beautiful. The angel of light. Beautiful in appearance. Because what the devil, nobody likes the big red scary monster. But the devil wants to get close to us. So he wants to look like he's our friend. He wants to, he wants to if you will, blend in with us. So he's going to make himself feel like he's a part. But he's got an ulterior motive. You see, the goal is to steal everything God wants to you. The Bible says the devil wants to sift you as wheat. He tries to destroy your family, your ministry. The Bible says the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. The enemy comes in like a flood. God will raise a standard. God will supply all our needs. You have a high priest praying for you, interceding on your behalf. Even when you don't know what to say, he does. When you come through fires, there's a fourth man walking in the fire. You don't have to come out smelling like smoke or burnt. God will devour the plans and thwart the plans of the enemy. He who began a good work is faithful to complete what he started. Sometimes we feel we're devoured and consumed. But instead of being devoured and consumed by what the enemy is trying to mean for evil, we've got to remember that being devoured and consumed in the presence of God, there's, that's when a purging or a cleansing takes place. And while it may not always be comfortable, when we are devoured and consumed by the presence of God, God can bring us out in a better place than when we went in to that place. We have often quoted on this campus, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty to God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down every imagination and every high thing that exceedeth against the kingdom of God and bringeth captivity every thought to the obedience of Jesus Christ. See, here's the thing. As we get ready to close here in just a moment. Here's the thing about these devouring spirits that uh, I've always been amazed at. See, the devil... I said it to you this morning, and I say it to you again today. The devil doesn't play for fun. And it's not like, this ain't, a, this ain't like a game. The devil's just trying to say, oh, I, 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 he's playing to win. He's playing for keeps. He doesn't play for fun. I remember growing up as a kid, uh, I learned quickly the art of losing, like the value of losing. My, my mother, who is a, a wonderful woman of God and wonderful lady, when we would play sports or we would do anything, she always you would say the things like, you know, it's not always about winning and 
you know, of course I learned later in life she was wrong, but don't tell her I said that. There is a goal. You don't play for fun. You're wasting your time. You play to try to win. <laughs> now there's a way to win and there's a way to lose the right way. But somebody has to win, so why not be me? That's my philosophy. But that's why I've got road rash because I have to win. That's just how it is. There's a spiritual lesson even in middle school uh, races that you should not always try to think you're better than everybody else, but I just want the record to show I still won. That's all I want to say. I may have war wounds to prove it, but I won. Just remember that. But I remember growing up as a kid, I remember my mom would always tell me that about stuff. Now, my dad, on the other hand, my dad wasn't really a big sports guy. He broke his legs a couple times when he was younger, and, and just he never was able to really play sports and things like that. And it really wasn't his thing. I mean, he just was kind of, he played music. That's why I got my music side from. He was a musician. He did that kind of stuff. And, um, <laughs> but I remember as a kid, my dad would, he'd play cards or video, you know, not video, uh, like board games, you know, little, you know, monopolies or whatever, you know, trouble or, you know, Chinese checkers or whatever, you know. Y'all even, some of y'all don't probably know what Chinese checkers is. It was like little marbles, you know, and, and stuff. But he played some kind of game with me. Checkers. He never played chess. But first couple times we played, he'd win. And I, I, I said to him one time, I said, Dad, you know, sometimes you need to just let me win. Like, it's not fair to always beat somebody. They're not going to like that. Sometimes you should let. And my dad, in all his love and wisdom, this was his reply. You're never going to know how to be a good loser if you're always winning. He said, so I'm just helping you learn how to be a good loser. And I said, well, are you going to let me win? He said, no, because I'm not a good loser. <laughs> Wisdom. Wisdom. In fact, um, my dad finally said to me, he said, I'll tell you what, I'll make a deal with you. I said, okay. I was thinking this is my moment. He's going to tell me he's going to let me win. Not exactly, but he did say, I'll tell you this, the day you beat me, I'll admit that you beat me because you'll know I did not let you win. You actually beat me. So I promise you that I'll give you that satisfaction when and if the day comes, you actually beat me. Now, it took me a while, but I did eventually, whatever the game was. I did eventually. I didn't say every time, but I did eventually. I remember the whatever game. I, I don't even remember the games, but I can probably tell you. The first time I ever beat him at something, I thought I had won the lottery because I knew I actually beat the master. I won. And it was like ice cream on me kind of night. Like, I won. I was, I'm breaking my piggy bank, taking everybody out for ice cream. I only had $2. But, hey, we can all share one, three spoons. We'll make it work. But I won, and we're going to celebrate this thing. He taught me that. He taught me that. Basically, how to be a good loser, because I lost a lot before that happened. But I also say it to you because you say, well, what, why are you telling me that? Because in this spirit of the four horns or the horns that can stop the blessings of God, whether it's lack, limitation, hindrance, or devouring spirits, the devil is not going to let you win. The devil's not going to let you win. He's not going to play the game of life with you and say, all right, I'm going to just let you win this time. He doesn't let people win. The devil's not like that. So 
you need to understand and realize that any time you thwart the plan of the enemy or you overcome a struggle or you overcome a hindrance, you overcome an obstacle, you beat something that the devil meant for evil, you should celebrate it because you actually beat him. Because he didn't let you win, but greater is he that is inside of you than he that's in the world. You actually defeated the master of deceit, the master of evil. You actually won. And that's why I love the end of the story in the Bible, in the last chapters of the Bible. It doesn't say we'll never have problems, but it does say we will get taken out of this world and ultimately we will win this race called life because one day we will stand before a great white throne and we'll stand there with all the host of the angelic armies of heaven and we will sing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come and for ages, for eternity, for years we can't even calculate in our finite minds. We will be in the presence, not, not just geographically experience. I mean, we will literally be in the real, bona fide, tangible, experiment, experiential presence of the Almighty God for all the rest of eternity. We will sing. We'll have church like you've never seen church done before. We'll be praising like you've never seen praise and been done before we'll be worshiping like you've never seen worship done before because we will finally have what the devil might have won some battles on this side of heaven the devil might have knocked us down he might have defeated us in some things or hindered us or, or caused it but when it's all said and done we are not going to win a battle we are going to win the war and we're going to one day stand up in heaven and, uh, and and like all of those angels see all the Bible said all the angels yeah they're singing a song but there's one song they cannot sing they cannot sing the song of the redeemed because the angels didn't have to worry about sin the angels didn't have to worry about struggles the angels didn't have to worry about living a life that was holy and pleasing unto the Lord but we which are the redeemed called of Christ God came and sent his son that while we still were yet in sin Christ came and he died for us and when I submit my life to underneath the precious blood that flowed from Calvary's cross it brought me access and bought me with a price that I couldn't pay the old song says he bought me he sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood and it gave me access to the portals of glory access to become heirs and joint heirs to the kingdom of heaven and it one day is going to let me look from the bowels of heaven's courtyard and be able to look at the devil and all of those down below and say I've made it I've won I've been successful you might have tried to kick me down knock me down destroy me but I was one of the ones that held on I made it to the very end and there now for lays before me a crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge will give to me but not only unto me only but everyone that loves this glorious appearing I have made it and one day if I hold out long enough I'll stand and I'll see God himself and the Savior in all his splendor extend his right hand and the golden scepter in his hand and he'll say to me well done that good and faithful servant enter in to the joys of the Lord I'm here to tell you that no matter what the devil's trying to do in this world in our church or in this nation or any kind of devouring spirit that he has there's coming a day we're going to win we're going to make it we're going to be victorious we are overcomers by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony as miss carol makes her way so here's my challenge today or my thought of conclusion I know it's been a couple weeks when we've done this series on the four horns that stop the blessings of God. 
Don't think when you walk out of this church just because I taught you this series that all of a sudden the devil's going to like, oh, never mind, I'll leave him alone. You're naive to think that the devil ain't coming for you tomorrow morning or Tuesday morning. Now, I will say that there are times that God in his providential love and mercy sometimes lets us, if you will, live on what I call mountaintop experiences where everything seems to be going good for a while. There are sometimes everything seems to be going good. But I'll also tell you that I would be a horrible ambassador of the gospel if I didn't tell you that while there are good days, don't think that's the devil just giving you a break. He's just plotting his next move. He's just plotting the next move. Some of you tomorrow morning might face an obstacle. Some of y'all might leave church tonight before you even get home. Might be on the way home. Might be on the answer machine when you get home. Whatever the blessing of God has given you today by being in this house, the devil might have already tried to take it from you. Could happen. You could wait till Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday of this week and have to call and say to me, Pastor, you're not going to believe this, and have to share some kind of news that I may not have wanted to hear or be devastated about because the devil robs your joy. I remember on Wednesday night, I'm getting ready to pray. I remember on Wednesday night, we were here at band practice. It was on Tuesday night, actually, but we prayed about it on Wednesday as well. That a family in this church received some devastating news from some stuff going on in their own family's lives. Shocking. I mean, shocked. Like, didn't see it coming. I mean, shocking news. That was on Tuesday night. We're floored. Could not, I mean, jaws open, mouth wide open. Did even the family member... That doesn't come to church here said, I, you know, if you want to call your pastor or whatever, but we, I just need prayer. I don't know what to do. And this family called me and talked to me and that evening at the house. I remember when I hung up the phone, my, I mean, I don't even, in essence, I know of the people, but I don't know the people. But I could feel my heart just bottom out and my spirit. I sat there and I thought, my God, if that's not a mountain somebody's going to have to climb, I don't know what is. My Lord, have mercy. I prayed for that family. Offered services if they needed it. And then I began to think about it. Y'all want to know the shocking factor? Those people went to church too. Some of those people actually were involved in their church. And the devil still got them. I mean, church people, I ain't talking about some ragged up, center drunk, drug addict dude laying on the side of the road that we all just waiting for Berkeley County to pick up. No, no. I'm talking about people that went to church every week, y'all. Was involved every week. I mean, they loved God. The devil still got them. That's how good he is. Don't think just because you come to church three times a week or two times a week or once a week or some folks once a month or once or some folks around here they're just CEMs Christmas, Easter and Mother's Day that's about the only time I see them don't think just because you periodically drop by God's house and say hey God how you doing that that exempts you from the devil that just puts a target on your back 
So I want to caution you before I pray tonight. That I don't know if it'll be tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I don't know if it'll be next week, next month, next year. It might be two years, three or five. It might be ten years down the road. There will come a day that the devil will launch an attack on you too and your family. He'll try. Now, I'm not saying he'll always be successful, but he doesn't give up very easy. He keeps trying. But it's up to me and you how we respond to such adversities. The devil might try to limit us. He might try to tell us that God's got lacking abilities. He might try to, to devour us. Now, he might tell me I'm lacking stuff. He might tell me I'm limited. He might hinder me, and he might try to take and devour my stuff. But I can promise you one thing he can't do. He cannot overtake me unless I give him the ability to do so. The devil cannot overtake what I, cannot overcome and take me unless I give him that ability. I've often said this, and I don't mean this to sound callous, but I've often said the devil can only take what you gave him. Don't let him come into your house and take the, be the enemy's camp and take it. Don't let him in the house. Don't let him take it to you. So, Pastor, I can't control what they're doing. You may not control what they're doing when they leave your house, but you sure can control what they're doing when they're in your house. Hello? You can control where your car drives. If they don't go places you think they should be going, you can take the keys. You don't have to keep letting them go do it. You can have a little bit of say-so in it. But I say to you as I get ready to pray, he might cause problems. He might try to take the things of God out of your life and mess you up, mess this church up, mess this community up. But the promise of God says he cannot overtake us unless we allow him to do it. The Bible says greater is he that's in me than he lives in the world. You cannot, you listen to this, Pastor Kevin, you cannot be overtaken by the devil unless you give him keys and access to the house. But if you pray, you put the blood of Jesus over your heart, you guard your heart, and you stay close to Jesus Christ, and you stay in your, in your word, the devil can try, but you have a resource on your side that will help you not to be overtaken. But the day you get out of this book, and you try to do it on your own, is the day you gave him access to take over your life. So no matter what it is, my challenge to you is, do not, under any circumstances, do not let the devil overtake you. You stand your ground and you stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. You fight the good fight of faith and run that race that's set before you. Don't grow weary. The Bible says don't grow weary in well-doing. Keep going, keep going, keep going. We're almost home, church. I really believe that. We're almost there. Don't give up now. We're, cro we're close to the finish line. Just hold on. We're getting there. Don't give up. You stand all over the house as we get ready to pray. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for the presence of God we have experienced in this house today. Thank you for every man, woman, boy, or girl that made today a successful day in the presence of God. Father, I come today to surmise this entire day of worship. First and foremost, to say thank you for being God, ultimately. But also, God, just to say 
that I know that the devil is trying his best to destroy the things that you are trying to begin and to continue to do for the people of God. Don't let us grow weary in well-doing. Don't let us get defeated. Don't let us throw in the towel and quit. Let us persevere to the end. Give us hope. Give us joy. Give us peace that surpasses understanding. God, our hearts, may the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my God and blessed Redeemer, and may you bless us and keep us face shine upon us you be gracious to us lift up your countenance upon us and give us the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding and guard our hearts till you come again we forever praise you and glorify your name and your name every knee will bow and every tongue will confess you are God to the glory of God the Father in Christ's wonderful and precious name we pray and all God's people together said amen and amen